Hello! You're listening to Drawn to the Flame, a podcast for fans of Arkham Horror, the card game. I'm your host, Frank, and this is another one of my first look episodes. But amazingly, I'm not alone again, because today I'm joined by... It's me, Peter. Hello, Frank. Hi, Peter. How are you doing? Doing very good, doing very good. It's been a long week. I was saying to you the other day, I was really looking forward to doing some recording. Mm, yeah, how do you feel now, now that it's happening? Uh, I'm super hyped. Can't wait oh, to good. dive in. Yeah. Good. Cool. Well, we're looking at the cards of In Too Deep. Do you know that song? Because I'm in too deep. <laughs> that it, one? Yeah, I do. I do. It's hard not to sing that song when uh, you read the name of this pack, isn't it? Yeah, it is. Yeah. I think it's a little bit like For the Greater Good, where there will be people who will have the thing that it makes them think of and they'll say it for the rest of time whenever they play that scenario unfortunately <laughs> yeah okay yeah. let's let's dive in we're gonna we're doing nothing fancy with the order unless we decide we're doing something fancy with the order but we're just gonna dive in and start shall i read the first card yeah please do this is the riot whistle a two cost asset with a willpower icon it's guardian because we start at the start item and tool traded you may take an additional action during your turn which can only be used to engage. Flavor, if you blow that thing one more time, I'm going to make you eat it. <laughs> and it takes up the accessory slot. I mean, it's pretty straightforward, right? Very straightforward, yeah. <laughs> My immediate take is wondering how many times you would want an engage action. And then I was thinking, actually, probably a lot more than we credit it for and it takes me back to all our conversations about taunt and that the times that you need engages is the really sort of pressurized times and that's often the time when you can't afford to take engages that's that's my only thought really so so here's two cards we could we could think about this in conjunction with Mm -hmm. the first is police badge and police badge is what two cost uh, three. three. Three cost gives us two actions, not the other way around. Yeah. Also gives us a willpower boost. But let's think about it in terms of pure actions. That's three cost for just two extra actions and three XP. Mm-hmm. Yeah. This is two cost for potentially infinite extra actions. But it gives yeah. us a guide as to what we th- what might be worthwhile. Now, the issue, of course, here is that it doesn't... It, it clogs up that accessory slot. Yeah. But then again, what's what's a Guardian really putting in their accessory slot? I've uh, got two words for you, Peter. Go on. Hallowed mirror. Hallowed mirror, of course. <laughs> According to you, anyway. <laughs> yeah, well, it, 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 that's an absolutely solid pick. Pretty much the only blue accessory I see much of, I think. Mm-hmm. I think a lot a lot of Guardians will use off-class cards in their yeah. accessory slot as well, like Tooth of Etsley. It's great yeah. for, for, a lot of, uh, for a lot of Guardians. Leo with lucky cigarette case as well. Absolutely, you know, yeah. he's he's hitting things hard and and drawing loads of cards. I mean, I think that actually raises the the bigger point, which is a perennial challenge on first looks, which is that we always say that the investigator is the unit of deck building, and then you get given a card that fits in a faction, and then how you fit it together is really challenging. And I think you have to find as we're trying to do those places where it might work. Um, this is a tangent though. So, how many actions do you think you're a crewing with a riot whistle i don't know because well i'll tell you what uh how often do you use the engage action as tony mm. a lot right he I, I, I know he can't take this 
Yeah, I mean, yeah, he could versatile it in, couldn't he? Yeah, but, but we're going to say that a lot. <laughs> let's, yeah, let's just yeah. here and now, Frank. <laughs> we will say it's a given. Yeah, uh, it's a given for any single card that it could be versatile in. Now, <laughs> Tony, Tony has that those four action turns, right? And I feel like you use the engage action quite a lot in Tony. Yeah, yeah, that's true. I mean, I think like so. Let's zoom out, big picture. If you're the fighter. What are you spending your actions on? Broadly speaking, you're spending them on drawing cards slash getting set up and then engaging enemies and killing enemies. And when actions moving, are tight... Moving to the enemies. And well. um, moving... I'm, I'm, weirdly, I was already assuming that you're running safeguard and you're sort of not worrying about moving. But yeah, moving is the other big thing. And when actions are tight, the thing that gets squeezed is the engage because you still need to kill enemies and you still need to get to enemies... And you can attack enemies when they're engaged with other people. So you might say, look, do you mind if I just shoot at it while it's engaged with you? And that's normally not a problem until you miss, at which point it starts to become a major problem if you're shooting your teammates and dealing them loads of damage. This feels like somewhat a luxury, but it might actually be a quite useful card for avoiding those kind of negative situations where you're shooting other people and causing trouble like that. That's... Yeah, that's all I can think of. I bet this is the card that I put in a deck and then I ref- like fail to play it because I always don't quite have the spare action to get it down and wish that I had the spare action to be playing it. Yeah, maybe, maybe. The one other thing I'd say is that this might be useful for the flamethrower. Yeah. Because flamethrower only does its damage to enemies that you're engaged with. So you might be really setting yourself up to engage regularly because you're flamethrowing everything and any enemies that other people draw, you take onto yourself and flamethrower, at which point you might just, you know, over the course of a game, say you engage five times, you've paid two cost for this and got five actions out of it. That's pretty amazing. So yeah, it's an interesting little yeah. cute card. I was about to say, I, I really fancy it in Zoe. Mm. Uh, oh yeah, yeah. Limited a- limited access to other other faction cards. It could even just take the place of Taunt in Zoe. Mm. But then, of course, Zoe's got the cross, which is yeah. an accessory that is actually pretty damn good. Uh, yeah, so, so maybe yeah. Like a relic hunter, relic hunter Zoe. You want the riot whistle to trigger the cross, but they're clashing in the slot. Yeah. yeah. Also, just from a flavor point of view, I think it's quite funny that that well, the riot whistle would be used by the police to summon other police, right? Mm-hmm. But yeah, it's being yeah. used here to summon summon enemies. <laughs> yes, and it's one of these cards where the flavour seems to be directed at the person using the riot whistle rather than at the person blowing the riot whistle. It's you can imagine that whatever it is, a ghoul or a shoggoth, is just really annoyed because you keep going beep beep <laughs> beep. He's like, stop it. Okay, so that's the riot whistle. Done. And and a, a, just a, a oh. tiny extra note. Yeah, go on. You know what? Maybe not a bad pick in Carcosa when you're constantly having to engage the Ooh, uh, the mask. man in the pallid mask, right? Yeah, yeah. Or with whippoorwills around as well. Yeah, or with whippoorwills. If we, if you have aloof cultists, not not every scenario has aloof cultists, but if there are any aloof cultists, yeah, that's useful. I mean, we've talked about. Uh, t- sorry, this is a increasing tangent here. Um, this is a I, good I, tangent. I, I know you, you like these episodes episodes to be short and sweet so we've talked quite a bit about like the, the three health bracket right so going up to three health if the most your weapon can do is two damage it's it's taxing you an extra action mm. but no matter the health of the enemy and no matter how much damage you can do in a single hit an aloof enemy will always need to be engaged before you can attack it 
Yeah. So in a way, if if you're in a in a campaign or a scenario that's heavy on aloof enemies, having aloof is as bad as having X extra health, which is mm-hmm. you know the health of the enemy, because you've always got to spend that action to engage it. Granted, mm-hmm. it's an action that can't fail, but it is an action that will trigger an attack of opportunity. Um, yeah. The other card yeah. I was going to mention, actually, just very briefly, was trench knife. Yeah, trench knife means that you don't take the attacks of opportunity when yeah. you engage because this obviously gives you the extra action but if you're engaged with enemies and you engage other enemies you get hit by the enemies you're engaged with yeah yeah ouch. if you've got enough enemies with aloof basically this is mm. the same as giving you a, a free attack that's what i'm trying to get at mm, okay i see what you mean yeah yeah and that's that's good if it was an action to attack enemies you'd be like oh yeah gravy yeah yeah but two, only two you say yeah i'm taking it I think this might be a little sleeper card, right? Where you run it and then realize it does loads of work for you over the course of a scenario, but in that slightly subtle way that gets ignored. Yeah. And you don't you don't look at this card and go, wow, that's six or seven actions. Yeah. You no. look at it and go, oh, do I use that action much? So, yeah. I, I think it's good. I, I, and it, it's nice and cheap, and it uses a slot that's, well, except in Zoe, it's not necessarily overloaded in the faction mm-hmm. that wants to take it. So I think it's got all the hallmarks of a good utility card. Um, mm, and I think mm. people might be surprised at how good it is. Yeah. I don't know. Maybe, Final thing. Maybe it is yeah, bad. Yeah. <laughs> the more we talk about it, the more I have thoughts as well. Yeah. So I'm thinking as well, if you take it and say Skids, he loves getting extra actions and those sort of payday turns where he pays off for all of his actions. And actually, Tony, like you mentioned, you can profit from just having loads of extra actions. So they might like it. But then the other thing I just thought, of course, in Solo, this is way less useful. It is still useful against aloof enemies and against the stranger or whatever other things, but I've certainly gone to that this is a multiplayer card. It's useful for the Guardian whose their main role is fighting and they're engaging enemies off other people so that they can chop them up. Yeah. I mean, it, yeah, you, you can see a turn in, in skids where you you on the hunted enemy and then you pickpocket it and then you engage it for free and then you attack it. Yeah, and then yeah, you, yeah. you you put quick thinking into the attack. Um, it's a little bit like, um, and then and then at the end of the turn you play payday and get ten ten resources. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Fact, sort of running rings around them. Yeah, yeah. Cool. Well, we got a lot out of Riot Whistle. That was some so, some yeah. great content there. We're gonna have to speed up on the rest of the cards now. <laughs> right, you can write in, listener, and tell us which of the hot takes that we dropped there you want us to explore in more detail in future. So yeah. Okay, we have an event. One cost, one XP, and it has a combat and and an agility pip. I don't know why I found that so hard. It is Righteous Hunt. It is Tactic and Blessed, which means that Mateo can take it. And it has Engage. Choose an enemy up to two locations away. Move one location at a time to that enemy's location. Engage it and add Blessed tokens to the Chaos Bag equal to that enemy's horror value. Lita narrowed her eyes and tightened her grip. They wouldn't get away. Not this time. Not ever again. Nice. Lita on the art, like jumping off a building. That's cool. So amazing that we've got two Guardian cards. They're both around Engage. And I love the irony that Innsmouth (laughs) seems to really punish you for engaging Deep Ones because they do things when they engage you. Yeah. And we've got two Guardian cards. It's like, yeah, let's engage them. You can play this card without taking an action with a riot whistle, right? You get one additional action each turn, which can only be used to engage. Yeah, and this is an engage action. 
I guess, yeah. That's pretty cool. You blow your whistle as you're on your righteous hunt. And then the other thing that really jumps out to me for this is that you mentioned that one of those things Guardians spends actions on is moving. And this is, at best, uh, two moves and an engage. So it's three actions for one cost. Yeah. And that's before you factor in the blessed tokens. Blessed tokens are almost like like a bonus, I think. Yeah, that's just the icing on the cake, isn't it? Let's have a think about this. This is the card that springs to mind instantly to me is get over here. Snap. Yes, the same. So get over here is also three actions because it's an engage and a fight, but the enemy can only be one location away. And obviously it moves the enemy to your location, not vice versa. Yes. Yeah. Oh, you could also use uh, right whistle to play get over here. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. Riot Whistle. Oh, Riot Whistle. We're going to be going Riot Whistle podcast. Yeah. <laughs> I go, we have to go back at any cards that have engage on them but aren't fast, right? Because obviously using Riot Whistle to play Taunt, doesn't. It, that doesn't make sense. But yeah. Okay, interesting. So get over here is one move, one engage, one fight. And this is two moves and one engage but no fight. Yeah. Well, up to two moves, I guess. And then the leveled up get over here is fast, and it's two locations away that you pull the enemy. So it's move, move, engage, fight. Right, okay, okay. The important thing about it saying non-elite on get over here is obviously that stops you doing things like pulling Silas out of the hidden chamber. Yeah, 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 yeah. It doesn't want to stop you moving those elite enemies that need to be on specific locations. So, yeah. I suspect Righteous Hunt would get would miss out over get over here because get over here adds the fighting but maybe there's a real useful side to it that i'm not seeing i don't know it it seems like you you can cover a lot of ground with it which is handy the other nice thing is you could let your party split up and you can catch up then you could spend more time sitting drawing cards playing your weapons being ready and as long as people stay within two locations of you as soon as they draw an enemy in Mythos, you teleport over to them and help out. Yeah, ex- exactly that. I think it's really good. Uh, I'd be very tempted to put this in. It feels a bit like that same that that's that exact situation comes up quite a bit, basically. Yeah, the, the team wants to spread out. Someone's already ready to go off investigating somewhere else, and the the fighter character is getting set up even more, or has just had a big fight and wants to refill their hand, and so they're forced to decide: do they stick with the team? which is why Safeguard is so good, or do they draw cards? But and, you, you say, like, yeah. it, it, it's it's two locations, but if you position your Guardian well while they're setting up, that's a, effectively a four-location spread. Mm-hmm. So people can be two locations in either direction. Yeah, well, if you're playing Midnight Masks, easy go-to map. If you're standing in River, Rivertown, every single location is two locations away. Yeah. So you, no matter you, you where know, your allies are, you can get to them. Yeah. So, so it, it's yeah. not just it helps you get to an ally; it would help you get to any ally. Yeah, the whole the whole team splits up, and then you can decide which one you go and rescue. And of course, it, it, combined with two moves, if you're able to soak hits, it increases your kind of your threat range to five locations. To say because you could yeah move once and then and is that what you mean? Well, move, move, and then play this, and then you get to move yeah. another. No, hang on, sorry, four locations. What am I talking about? Yeah. To move, move, and then move twice and engage the enemy, and then you soak up the hit, especially if you've got Guard Dog or something like that. Yeah, or if you're Tommy, you're just like, yep, that's fine. <laughs> no, I, I think that's this cool. is a that's really, cool. really good utility card. If I was like a like a, a squad protector type guardian, 
mm-hmm. I'd be having this in my deck, I think. Mm. And and like we said with the blessed tokens, I think they're just icing on the cake. And I just like the flavor that the scarier the enemy is, the more righteous your hunt is and the more blessed you get. So it's not about how big the enemy is, it's just about how scary they are. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Which is kind of cool. Okay, cool. Should we move on? Yeah, let's. So next is the Sacred Covenant. This is the first of our covenants, and these were announced by FFG in one of the articles announcing this pack. So it's null-costed and 2 XP. It's covenant and blessed-traded, so Mateo can take it. It's permanent, which is why it's null-costed, and it's limit one covenant per deck. Reaction, after an investigator at any location performs the reveal chaos token step of a skill test, exhaust sacred covenant, return any number of blessed tokens revealed during this test to the chaos bag, ignoring their modifiers for this test. So this is... Uh, it's good. I, I have thoughts about the covenants mm. in general, but should I save them for when we've looked at them all, or do you want me to just fire in with a hot take by now? Save your hot take for when you think we don't have much to say. Okay, which is yes. never. We'll cut. We'll cut. <laughs> so so I, th- this is... We, when we looked at Sister Mary, and more importantly the cards that came with Sister Mary, it seems like there's a blessed style of play, which is leaving the tokens, or, or, or revealing the blessed tokens without needing the modifier, right? Yeah, yeah. This feels like it fits into that play style. I'm just struggling to pass how this works. So in step three, you reveal chaos tokens. So say I reveal bless, and that rolls into another bless, and then that rolls into a curse, and then that rolls into a minus one. Yeah. At that point, so that after that step, whoever has the Sacred Covenant exhausts it. We can pick how many of those blesses we want to put back in. Yeah. The plus four I got from the two blesses goes, and I just end up with a minus three, and the curse goes. So the blesses stay in the bag. Okay, and with and now I've got, I had to say it out loud to get my head around it. No, that's fine. In a weird way, it, it turns you into a Silas for blessed tokens. Yeah, I didn't need that bless, put it back in. <laughs> exactly, yeah. So so yeah. you could save the bless for when you draw, say, a minus four. If you've drawn a bless and a zero, you're like, well, actually, the zero passes, so I'll put the bless back and save it for a more crucial time to draw it. So what this does to me, as far as I can tell, is when we did our Innsmouth unboxing, we were talking about one of the challenges will be about how quickly can you get bless in the bag. Mm-hmm. And this just adds a nice little twist to that which says well if you're running sacred covenant once a turn you can get more value out of your bless by keeping them in the bag more value really about the effort that it took you to get it in there so say you're playing mateo and you're running keep faith and so you've you've spent four resources and put eight bless in the bag and then the next test you take you reveal all eight of those bless and you're like well i didn't need any of them you have sacred covenant to keep them in the bag so you it enhances the value or enhances the longevity of the tokens, I guess. Cool. Yeah, I get that now. It's like a it's win more with bless, or it's mitigate those crummy bless situations where you draw too many bless and overshoot a test threshold that you're already going to pass. I, I, you know what, Frank? I'm going to drop my my covenant take. Okay, go for it. The the issue I have, and I'll just mm. I'll I'll. I'll uh, before I start, I'll say this doesn't reflect badly on Team Covenant at all. They're they're a, a great bunch of lads. The issue, slight issue I have with the Covenants is that they feel like they are either it's a very binary card you pick to put in your deck for at least the ones I've seen. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. So if I'm because they're permanent as well, so they're not. I'm not sacrificing anything else except for two XP to put it into my deck. Mm. I'm I'm sacrificing the ability to take a different covenant, but typically I'm only going to have unless I'm playing Lola. I'm only going to have access to probably two covenants anyway. So there'll be mm-hmm. there's likely to be an obvious pick between the two, which is the best for my deck. It's either good and I put it in my deck or it's not good and I don't put it in my deck it, it doesn't seem like it gives me an interesting deck building decision mm. I guess the deck building decision is already decided at deck creation are you doing stuff with bless in this instance I mean if so take this exactly covenant's good yeah Sick of covenant's, covenant's good. good yeah the flow chart is very simple yeah to decide okay yeah I, I see that point let's see the rest of them and see if it really shakes that up even yeah. as I'm saying this I'm thinking to myself is that maybe part of Bless and Curse? When, when we talk about Bless and Curse, this is all mm. to be saved up for our Bless episodes. Maybe I should stop talking. <laughs> um, but m- maybe we see this as like a package. It's a bit like how you remember Adaptable <laughs> mm, yeah. all those years ago. Adaptable is almost like a rogue class feature. Yeah. Maybe this. Maybe the Covenants are, are a feature of Bless. You did it. <laughs> you were just trying to keep talking until you could find an appropriate yeah. time to insult my ears. Yeah, but you know what I mean. You know what yeah. I mean, right? Yeah. So, so maybe mm-hmm. this is maybe the covenants are always going to be part of that conversation on on yeah. how those tokens work. So maybe maybe yeah. maybe I'm being I don't know. Maybe I'm wrong. But I think no. I don't. I don't know if you're wrong. But I think. But you think I'm wrong? I I know, but I just I would think I would argue that at least this adds a wrinkle in the way we think about it. Like, yes, it might be that the flowchart is fairly straightforward, and if you're running Bless and Curse, you're probably looking at the covenants as well. But at least it changes up that they're not always just plus or minus two and draw another token. Like, that at least adds a layer of interest to me. And say we were playing four-player and someone has the Sacred Covenant, they have a nice gameplay decision, which is when they trigger tapping this card. Because you might be taking eight tests in a turn. Yeah, yeah. And someone yeah. reveals two blessings. Like, is that the one we save? Or do we wait because someone else might reveal another, t- you know, whatever it is. Like, at least that adds some interactivity that there's not a player sitting at the table going, I've just put all those blessings in the bag and you've just wasted them. <laughs> Maybe. Well, let's pin that thought because we know there are more covenants coming up. Yeah, I'm, we'll I'm aware you, you normally blast through these cards, Frank, and we're at like 25 minutes and we've done the first we're faction. War- <laughs> <laughs> we're warming up. We're warming up. It's fine. I don't mind if it takes a bit longer if there's more people. Cool. I think it's also... I blast through them because there's no one to talk to <laughs> and it's just me. <laughs> this is actually one we've seen, I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. So this is Eldritch Sophist. Sophist? That's fine, yeah. Okay. Uh, Four cost asset, uh, a willpower icon, and he has ally Miskatonic. Uh, Uses three secrets. Free trigger, exhaust Eldritch Sophist, move one secret or charge from an asset you control to another asset controlled by an investigator at your location. Uh, He has one health, three sanity, and he uses the ally slot. Once you let go of your assumptions, anything is possible. Feels like a a quote from uh, Morpheus. Yeah, yeah. Well, um, it's another add it to the crazy chess set. um, Oh, yeah. We've also got that on Quick Learner. Yeah. So, so what? What's what's sophistry? Sophistry. It's a wisdom for wisdom's sake, isn't it? Sophos means wise, and sophist is someone who's interested in wisdom. And I think sophistry now has a kind of 
negative con- connotation. It's like being a smart aleck rather yes. than studying wisdom. Yeah. Uh, I get it mixed up with solipsism. Okay, yeah. No, it's not that. Solipsism is when you think you're the only... You can only be sure of your own experiences. Is that right? Mm. Isn't solipsism navel-gazing? Uh, I think the two are linked. Okay, yeah. So so I think that the, the philosophy of solipsism is... Because there's the famous... Ah, uh, okay, yeah. There's the yeah, famous yeah. joke, isn't there, that, that some solipsist had done a, done a talk and then he'd got a letter afterwards saying, I'm so glad to have found someone else who thinks the same as I do. Because solipsism <laughs> is, the, is the theory that, oh, you can, the only thing you can be sure of is your, is your self-existing, which is why I, I mentioned uh, Morpheus, okay, because yeah. that's kind of linked to the Matrix, I feel, philosophically. Mm, mm, yeah, okay. So all but of this that, is that, to say that you've got nothing to say about Eldritch Sophist itself? <laughs> yeah, he, so, so he's just a smartass, is, is basically what we're saying. Yeah, I think so. And I think the smartness of this card is that it has uses three secrets but then doesn't have an ability that cares about the secrets (laughs) yeah right so he's just like which immediately you're like hang on a second wait what (laughs) which i think is really nice and i think that's intentional i don't think they i don't think it's meant to say exhaust eldritch office and spend one secret because that ability allows him to move secrets from himself to other places, or from other places to him, if you wanted to put secrets on him. He's just like, he's not, not even, he's not actually yeah. doing anything. He's just being quite like secretive and moving stuff around. Yeah, exactly. And weirdly, I feel like he should have Mr. Rook's subtitle of Dealer in Secrets. I think it's Dealer in Secrets because he's the one who's really dealing with it. So, what cool things can you move around? I think there's a couple of things that have sprung to mind for me. The first, of course, is that you can move these secrets off the sophist onto other things. Yeah. yeah. So if you're running, say, Ancient Stones and Healing Horror or doing damage for secrets, slowly over three turns you can top up the Ancient Stones with the Eldritch Sophist. You could also put secrets onto things like the Otherworld Codex or the Esoteric Atlas or even Old Book of Law Level 3. So you can sort of refill the secret-based things that various Seekers might be running. And he just, he basically behaves exactly the same as Venturer in that way. Four cost, three things that top up other things that you're doing. But that's before you look at this ability of moving charges as well. Yeah, yeah. So so you could play like an alchemical transmutation and then Mm -hmm. shift the charges from that onto, say, Rite of Seeking. Exactly, yeah. Yeah. Importantly, you've raised this before, Secrets can't become charges and charges can't become secrets. And you can't move a secret from Eldritch Sophist onto a card with charges and then say, this is now a charge. Yeah, yeah. We had a we had a great argument when I was when I was on my way home uh, a, a few weeks ago when we first saw this card about whether you could put a secret onto a card that had charges, mm. which which was very much in the, the spirit of sophistry. <laughs> yeah, it was. And what's the answer to that? Because it might be that I'm misremembering maybe you can do that but uh, it doesn't become a charge right well my memory from playing netrunner and uh, and some of the, uh, the reason i'm comparing it to netrunner is because there's certain themes in the rules that carry across all the lcgs but i don't know whether mm. this does M- my memory in netrunner was that if a card specifies a type of token that it has on it mm-hmm. you can't add other types of token to that card mm. yeah it was my memory uh, that might not be the case yeah. here, but but I think I think that's right. Regardless, Once something has a uses X. It it's governed by that. Yeah. 
I think so. But I think the, the only gameplay impact of that would be, say, if you wanted to clear all of the... or clear the last secret off of Eldritch Surfaced before you played, say, another Eldritch Surfaced. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's pretty edge case. Yeah, you just needed to find a place to move it to. Yeah. So there's like there's loads of scope basically with this card to do all sorts of cheeky things. The other you mentioned alchemical transportation. The other thing is spooky skull. Yeah. Cruise charges as you kill things. So if you're using charge based weapons, even if you're using enchanted blade which has charges, you could be killing things and then the charges keep your blade charged up. And we've already talked about Decorated Skull as a kind of battery for charges, either in Akachi or other places, but then yeah. it suddenly becomes really useful. So, yeah, I think this is a really intriguing ally. The Pendant as well, yeah. Wow, good point. Keep, keep that thing charged up. Yeah, if you're not doing the splitting it and getting it background and all of that kind of thing. So, yeah. yeah. He's cool. He's intriguing. I yes. think the it, issue is, for me, the expense and the slot. Yeah. Which is makes it a tough ask because I can't think of. I think most people would that slot's quite valuable, and yeah. for something that's nice and interesting, it's maybe not making the cut. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I think yeah, I think you're going to have to be wanting to play around with this weird movement ability in a intriguing, entertaining way for your deck to really be in. Uh, compelled to run the sophist because otherwise if you're just running seeker and trying to get clues i don't see how he really helps you do that so yeah. i think he's like a sort of fun pick rather than power pick but yeah. time will tell maybe maybe he'll follow in the lineage of dr milan and mr rook and be another insanely strong card we'll see. And, and we have we've got the archaeology funding now as well so yeah you know yeah. he's a miscatonic asset so so he can yeah he can fit in that anyway yeah yeah so next we have Stirring Up Trouble. This is a zero-cost event. It's 1 XP, combat and intellect icons. It's insight and cursed. As an additional cost to play Stirring Up Trouble, add cursed tokens to the chaos bag equal to your location's shroud value. Discover two clues at your location. When you start following a thread, it's hard to say what you'll find at the other end. I mean, a lot of cursed tokens seems to be the answer. <laughs> This I, I like this a lot because it feels very uh, feels very Arkham. Mm. Feels very Lovecraft. It's you know, very it, sort of delve too deep, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I like I like that kind of thing a lot. And also zero cost for two clues is is pretty tasty. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you compare it actually with extensive research, which is twelve cost or ten cost for two clues, where you can mitigate yeah. that with a big hand. But this, it doesn't matter if you've just gone broke doesn't matter if the shroud of the location is 10 <laughs> you can still do it 10 is obviously the limit and you're just giving yourself some later trouble but we said i think about this before with curse if you're about to finish the game and all you need is clues curse doesn't matter at all you just dump them in and this is also maybe a useful card for getting you to those 10 curses for the grimoire yeah yeah but i think like it weirdly the bless works more when you reach a critical mass but cursed stuff or yeah cursed stuff like this is better when you dabble with it mm. which is quite a quite a cool like um what's the promise of power type situation well i'm glad you mentioned promise of power because i've just played jacqueline all the way through return to forgotten age with promise of power in my deck from scenario one to scenario eight and pretty much every scenario i played both copies 
So I went to two curses in the bag, and I can't think of a single time that the curses cost me a test. Oh, really? It was just a really useful card. And so the bag would go from 15-ish tokens to 17, with two of them being curses. Obviously, Jacqueline has the ability to just ignore it as well. So there were times I saw it, but I didn't draw it. But there were also times where I drew it and it didn't didn't affect me. And there was never a point where I was like, ooh, putting a curse in the bag, that could be really difficult at this point. I was just like, yeah, do it, don't care. So that, to me, is just one illustration of exactly proving exactly what you just said which is that if you're just doing one or two curses it doesn't have that big an impact yeah and really then the question is how many do you go to before it starts to become problematic yeah weirdly i'm thinking that this is maybe a zero cost card that puts four curses in the bag like i'm thinking of four shroud yeah because obviously the lower the shroud is the less likely you are to want to need to buy the clues rather than just investigating it, sure, sure. Although it's it's still action compression and it still mm-hmm. cheats cheats clues off locations. Mm, yeah. So from behind yeah. a lock a locked door or whatever. Yeah. Cool. Mm. That was stirring up trouble. Bro, okay, next we've got the Blasphemous Covenant. And this is a null cost asset. It is Covenant and Cursed. Permanent, limit one covenant per deck. Reaction. When an investigator at your location reveals a curse token during a skill test. Exhaust Blasphemous Covenant, treat that token's modifier as plus one instead of its normal modifier. After this test ends, return that token to the Chaos Bag. (laughs) Okay, cool. So immediately we see the same thing about Covenants. One per deck, permanent, and it's any investigator at any... No, this one is at your location. Ah. Yes. So here's a question. Sacred was at any location. This is at your location, yeah. In terms of the timing... Do you get to see what the other token is before you use the covenant? I don't know. I don't genuinely don't know. I'd have to check the wording for curse tokens because that makes a big not. a big difference to how effective this card is, right? Mm. You're pulling a curse and then a zero. You don't need to turn that curse into a plus one. Yeah, but it could if it's the other way around. If you pull, say, a curse and a minus three, it, mm. it's, again, it's almost like a Silas effect, right? Yeah, you're like, well, let's turn that into a plus one and you've net pulled minus two. Yeah, that's passed. Unfortunately, the curse stays, yeah. So there could be a small detail here around you want to keep curses in the bag for the cryptic grimoire. Yeah. Or for other reasons. But beyond that, it seems like this is just a tool to soften the impact of curses if you've gone curse heavy. And again, we need to play more and find out if curses can really tank a scenario for you, at which point maybe this is a card I'd want to include if I could. But it feels quite different from the Sacred Covenant covenant to my mind. Because this is actively giving you some kind of a bonus. Whereas I suppose it's just the inverse of the Sacred Covenant that's cancelling. Yeah. Weird. Very weird. (laughs) Yeah, indeed. Yeah. Do you have anything more to say about it? No. uh, Yeah. um, That's me about spent on this. Uh, I think, Mm. as you said, it would be good to circle back around to the... Of course. uh, To all of these cards at some point in the future. So next we have Breaking and Entering. This is a two-cost event, zero XP, intellect and agility icons. It's trick-traded. Investigate. Add your agility value to your skill value for this investigation. If you succeed by two or more, you may automatically evade an enemy at this location. This attack... Oops. This action does not provoke attacks of opportunity. If you're careful, it's just entering. (laughs) 
there's good flavour in this pack. Yeah, they clearly yeah. dusted off their flavour chops. Yeah. Fuck, I'm gonna. I, I've got a friend who's a, a connoisseur of flavour text, and I'm gonna send this to him. <laughs> <laughs> wow. So uh, Trish, right? Two cost investigator eight. You get a clue. You have an enemy at your location, so it becomes two clues because you also get to evade the enemy with breaking and entering. It's almost it's almost overkill for Trish because her ability gives you the evade anyway. Certainly in solo, great in multiplayer, gives you the compression. Yeah, yeah, it's pretty nice. I guess adding a agility to investigate is lockpick. So this is the kind of event version of lockpicks. Just it adds an evade into the mix as well, which is sort of tasty. Yeah, and, and I think there's lots of rogues who might want to take this as mm. well, right? It's it's not it's not just a Trish kind of card like Finn. Yeah, might quite like it because it's it's extra clues. You even might want to put it in in skids, right? Because mm-hmm, mm-hmm, skids yeah. is at seven. Is that right? No. Yeah, yeah. He's got three intellect, hasn't he? Yeah, and four, four agility. agility. Yeah. yeah, the compression is nice. It's a trick as well, so Rita can take it. Yeah, and yeah, yeah, yeah. Rita only has intellect two, but she she Five. goes up to seven yeah, as well seven. with this. And her ability her ability triggers off an automatic evade, right? Yeah, so she'd get a move as well out of it. Yeah, or a damage. That's really yeah. cool. Yeah, no, it's it, you know in in Mystic you can often just throw in like a read the signs or a, or a what's that other there's another Mystic card that gets two clues in the location. Ooh, uh, no idea. I remember anyway, but you often just chuck those cards in your deck, right? And you'd be like, well, mm-hmm. you know, I've got this little trick to get a clue if this, if there's nothing else going on. Yeah, if this, yeah. This, that, that's a bit like this in Rogue. So no matter what Rogue you're playing, you could put this in and have a decent attempt at getting a clue off a location. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I think the thing, if you want maximum value from this card, you also want an enemy at your location and you also want to succeed by two or more. Uh, yeah, but of course. you don't need an enemy. It's not like Followed where you have to pick an enemy before you can trigger it. So that's that's good. It just, to me, highlights again this idea of Rogues want to be where the action is. They want to be where enemies are to profit off them, to to do other things with them. And it's quite nice to have some cards that actually help you deal with the enemy rather than say, you need an enemy before you can do anything. Yeah. Nice little card. Yeah. Well, should we move on? Mm-hmm, yeah. Next, we have uh, we have Skeptic. This is a skill card. It's one XP, and it has a wild pip. Practiced. During this skill test, treat the modifier of each bless and each curse token as plus one instead of its normal modifier. Oh, hooey. What's the worst that could happen? This is another... I like this flavour of this card as well. Because, like, the mm-hmm. art is someone just, like, stamping on some kind of uh, uh, mythos <laughs> idol. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. What's what's the worst that's going to happen? Yeah. It's very kind of uh, Indiana Jones or... It's the breaking from breaking and entering. That's right, right yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Straight back. We've got a little story here. It's practiced, so Amanda can take it. It would make her stats three, 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 three for a turn, which isn't too bad. What leaps out for me here is a couple of things. The first is that it doesn't remove the text on Bless and Curse, which says that they come out of the bag after they're used, and it doesn't remove the bit about draw another token. So it just turns all of those Bless and Curses into plus one rather than plus two or minus two, but they're still revealing another token for you, and then they're still leaving the bag. Which I think there's some cards that do sort of take away all of the text of Bless and Curse, but this card doesn't do that. It just changes the modifier. 
And then, of course, the other thing is you want to commit it to a test that you're going to hit a bless or a curse, really. Yeah. Well, really to a, hit a curse. <laughs> yeah. Because it makes bless worse. So that makes me think it's fitting into a curse team that is probably not filling the bag with bless. And I suppose you might just commit this for the plus one. And if you hit a curse, you're essentially giving yourself plus two rather than minus one if you factor in the boost and the negative, which is fine. Right. Yeah, like, yeah. So, yeah. So we've talked a bit about whether you can build like a a, a rogue and mystic team that uh, mm-hmm. works off curse tokens in the bag. Of course, you could put both those together in one character now, um, and play yeah. Dexter, or or you can do it as a team. So so this could be committed to someone else's test. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So what you yeah. can do is stick this into say. You've got your uh, your mystic who's got Olive McBride out, or maybe you're playing with J Fine. Yeah, and they're going to burn through a whole lot of tokens because the bag is absolutely stacked with uh, with curses. Yeah, uh, and you chuck this in, and yeah, maybe they chain together a couple of curses and get plus two. Yeah, yeah, that's nice. That's nice. Yeah, and it's fitting that it's in Rogue, where for that turn where you really want to succeed by a load. You might chuck this in and another card or two, maybe even in Winnie. And then the thing you're really worried about is that you're going to hit a couple of curses and that really tanks your stat. Because that's the thing that shuts off succeed by a lot is if you draw an auto fail or, you know, minus six or a minus eight if they're in the bag. And with Skeptic, you're adding all of these curses then become extra boosts to your succeed by X. Of course, it will then roll into the tentacle and <laughs> all is lost. Yeah, yeah, but yeah, you can at least hope. Yeah. I think it's yeah. I think it's nice. I think it it hinges on. Do you think you're going to draw loads of those tokens? But then, if you if you've got dread curse as your basic weakness, you suddenly have five curses in the bag, and if it's a twenty token bag already, that's what a twenty percent chance of pulling a curse on any test. Mm. So maybe you're committing this anyway to get you two over the threshold, and then if you're hitting a curse, you're getting extra benefit out of it. You know, it's a, it's good that it's a one wild icon to start with. Um, and I've even seen situations where people have, say, committed a quick thinking more to pass the test than to expect to pass by two and get the extra action. That's not ideal, but, you know, needs must in this game sometimes, and you commit cards that you'd rather save for that big play, and I could see that happening here. Potentially, yeah, yeah. The other thing, potentially, is that, you know, things like Daredevil will go and fetch this for you, and if you're playing Winnie, you want more skills in your deck, and this could just be another card draw as well, so, like, it in the Winnie deck it, it probably has a bit more value because she likes skills she likes committing different skills to things okay should we move on yeah please it's your turn for the covenant this is the false covenant by the way Tiziano Baracci's art across all of these is so cool I'd like to <laughs> this one is uh, yeah I want to lay them all out together and just see what yeah, the whole, exactly. whole thing looks like same thing, null costed, 2 XP, permanent, limit 1 covenant per deck. This one is cursed, like the Blasphemous Covenant. Reaction, when an investigator at your location reveals a curse token during a skill test, exhaust false covenant, cancel that chaos token, return it to the token pool, and reveal another token. Hmm. So this is just a, a double dip when you've drawn a curse, right? Yeah. Helps keep the curses in the bag if you want them in the bag for some reason? No, cancel and return it to the token pool, oh, not God. to the bag. Oh, ah, okay. Oh, well, that's interesting. This is straight up just cancel a curse. You don't get the minus two because the token is cancelled, but you do get the rolling. <laughs> it's getting rid of the minus two-ness of the, of the token, but not the fact that it gets removed or that you reveal another token. 
it fits in with Skeptic in this idea that potentially between this and Skeptic, you could run fairly curse-heavy as a rogue and then ignore what's potentially the worst part of them that they give you a minus two to your stat. So, you know, one test you throw in a skeptic, you don't hit any curses. Then the next test you hit a curse and you exhaust false covenant and don't get the minus two from it and just draw another token. Yeah. So, so, so far the, the guardian covenant is bless. The mystic and the mm-hmm. rogues are curse. So yeah. I suspect one of the last two, the mystic or the survivor is also going to be blessed. And then the other one's going to be mm. weird. Yeah. And we've actually seen the survivor in the announcement. Oh, have we? Cool. So I think, yeah. The other small difference here as well is that Sacred Covenant, the Guardian one, doesn't care about location. But Blasphemous and False, you need to be together if you're going to trigger it. It's an investigator at your location. Yeah. And I, maybe maybe we'll see something about that, that Curses is about hurting you right here and now, and Bless is about a more generic positivity. Okay, cool. Next we have got uh, Armageddon. I believe, was this teased by the uh, Archivostel... Well, what is it? Archivostel Arkham. Mm. But yes, yeah, we have a four-cost asset. It has a single combat pip, and it, it has spell and cursed traits. Uh, mm. Uses three charges. Action, spend one charge, fight. This attack uses willpower instead of combat and deals plus one damage. If a curse token is revealed during this attack, you may place uh, you may deal one damage to an enemy or location, or place one charge on Armageddon, and it uses the arcane slot. Wow. <laughs> so, so a couple of things: the curse token, the effect for the curse token is regardless of whether you succeed or not. Mm. So, even if the curse you just need to reveal a curse exactly, token, yeah, yeah. Uh, which is nice because it means if a curse token causes you to fail the test, you get the charge back. Mm-hmm. Or you yeah, deal if that's... you deal one damage from an enemy, whichever whichever works yeah. better, best in the situation you're in. But it also means potentially if if you've got a, a a beefy willpower value, this is dealing three damage. Yeah, if you can, if if you're playing this this curse uh, mystic archetype we've been talking about, and I was playing as Jacqueline and seeing curses with her ability and just ignoring them. But I could just as well, if I had had this card, have been seeing Curse and saying, yes, please. Yeah, you know, there's a three damage hit. Pretty awesome. So I really like that this is, I think this, we often compare combat spells to Shriveling, but the comparison here is a really good one because this costs one more than Shriveling and comes with one fewer charge, which immediately puts this on the back foot. But this comes with the ability to do three damage per hit. Yeah. So with Shriveling, Four charges, you do eight damage. With this, three charges, potentially you do nine damage, which is pretty nice. And also, if you can see curses, you could top up the charges as well. So you could do two, four, see a curse, and then do you know more da- more damage, whatever down the line, yeah. potentially. Just on on an inkling, do you want to read the next two cards mm, at this point? Yes, I think we yeah. So Eye of Chaos was in the card fan. Yes. So I knew that this one was coming. So the art, again, is incredible. Five-cost asset, intellect icon, spell and cursed, uses three charges, action, spend one charge, investigate. Investigate using willpower instead of intellect. If you succeed, discover one additional clue at this location. If a curse token is revealed during this investigation, you may discover one clue at a connecting location... Or place one charge on Eye of Chaos. 
takes up the arcane slot. And then we also have Shroud of Shadows. And that's a three-cost asset with an agility pip. Spell Cursed. Uses three charges. Action. Spare no one charge. Evade. This evasion attempt uses uh, willpower instead of agility. If you succeed and the evaded enemy is non-elite, you may move that enemy to a connecting location. If a curse token is revealed during this evasion attempt, you may move to a connecting location or place one charge on Shroud of Shadows. So, yeah, we've got a real theme here. So if, if you're doing that kind of curse build, anything mm-hmm. like that, these seem like great cards to take. Uh, interestingly, on Eye of Chaos, I think whether we'd seen the whole text or not, I hadn't realised the clue has to be at a connecting location. Yeah, yeah. There's, there's like a weird subtlety to all of these because Armageddon, you can deal that one damage to the same enemy you were attacking. So it's a great three three health enemy solution if you can hit curses. Whereas Eye of Chaos, you need another location revealed that has clues on it. And you can't just take three clues from your own location. You have to do two and one. They get split up, which is maybe less useful. But then maybe what you do with Eye of Chaos is when you hit curses, most of the time you just keep Eye of Chaos charged. You get two clues and put a charge back. You get two clues, get a charge back. And then there's only some occasions where you actually want to get three clues per search. Yeah, That's that's my assumption there with that. And then Shroud of Shadows. I love it now. We've got... Ineffable Truth, which damages the enemy when you evade them. Mists, which allows you to move. And now we've got Shroud of Shadows, which moves the enemy. And if you get a curse, you get a move as well. So you can split yourselves for two two spaces between you. Or one space between you, two locations apart, if you do Shroud of Shadows well. Which is, yeah, really nice. So interestingly, a, a, an asset which refills itself, potentially, doesn't necessarily mm. feel like a great fit for Dexter. Yeah, Dexter's on the art. Yeah. yeah, not at all. Maybe you just reset them anyway. I think these are really cool. I think you've got to run Olive McBride or have Jacqueline in your team yeah. or, you know, Grotesque Statue or, or, you know, something like that to see more tokens. Or you've got to run in a faction where you dump loads of curses in the bag. Or, or like you said earlier, pair with, say, a Seeker who's running, stirring up trouble and deep knowledge. Maybe you're playing Dexter and running Faustian Bargain and you're, like, chucking curses in the bag. Yeah. Yeah. Could be a fun way to play. Yeah. Okay, cool. Well, let's look at the Covenant then. This is Paradoxical Covenant. I'm going to take a guess from the name. This is going to be both of them. <laughs> it's Covenant, Blessed and Cursed. So Mateo can take it. Permanent, Limit 1 Covenant per deck. Reaction, after an investigator at your location performs the Reveal Chaos Token step of a skill test. If both a Blessed Token and a Cursed Token were revealed during that test exhaust paradoxical covenant this test automatically succeeds remove each bless and curse token revealed from the chaos bag after this test ends this is really spicy i like this a lot when we were talking about our our curse team we were thinking about running say trish and mateo right mm-hmm, uh, yeah. what are the things yeah. about mateo and, and why folks like running him with say uh, olive uh, is that num- once you sum up the tokens if there's an el- his elder sign is in there, he passes mm-hmm. regardless of what the other tokens are, yeah. unless you've also got a tentacle in that test. Mm. Uh, and this this works the same way, right? It doesn't matter what yeah. the actual value you've got. You could be at minus ten as long as a, as both a bless and a curse are revealed, then you automatically succeed. Mm-hmm. It's not the same as the elder sign effect in Mateo, which is incredible because you also get like a free action. Yeah. But I think if you're if you're putting together a deck 
or, or, or a few decks which really play with the Bless and the Curse tokens, and you've already got that bag diving Mateo in play, or, or say mm. a, some kind of uh, Jacqueline Fine combo deck, this works really, really well in that situation. Mm, mm. I'm really glad you mentioned Mateo actually with his extra actions, because if you're drawing Curse into Elder Sign and you're using Armageddon, Eye of Chaos, or Shroud of Shadows, you can use the Curse to give you the charge back. Yeah. And get an extra action to then attack again or, yeah, yeah, yeah. or get more clues. Oh, so nice. So the other thing you mentioned was if you draw the tentacle as well. So importantly here, if you reveal a bless and um, a curse token, you're going to be revealing at least one more token after that because they're plus or minus two and reveal another token. And if that reveals the auto fail, yeah. there's no point in you tapping Paradoxical Covenant because you'd both automatically succeed and automatically fail and fail Trump's success. Yes. Luckily, it's after the reveal chaos token steps. You can wait and see everything you've revealed before you engage the paradox. What a weird card! Yeah, it's pretty. It it's feels just, like the hardest to trigger. Obviously, pretty bananas, isn't it? Yeah, and and I would need someone who's good with maths to work out the odds here. What's the odds of pulling one of each using, say, Olive? Once you're kind of reaching saturation in the bag, because there's the simple way of of hit, hitting one of each, which is that. Each one you hit gives you a chance to hit another of one. Of course, yeah. You know, and I have done the thing where I've drawn bless, bless, and then another token. Went once I was at eight or nine blesses in the bag, so that is possible. But you'd be like fingers crossed that you hit a bless, and you're like, I don't want to hit any more blesses now. I really need to hit a curse. It's still not particularly good odds, even if there are ten curses in the bag. There's at least ten other tokens as well. So I mean, normally a lot more than that. So it's something like. 30 or 40% chance that you roll into a curse or or vice versa. Yeah, crazy. This seems like the most fun so far of the Covenants. Yes, no, I totally agree. Just because it's the hardest to attain, yeah. Okay, moving on to Survivor. Okay, we've got Mariner's Compass, and this is a three-cost asset, and it has a single intellect pip. Item, tool. Action. Exhaust Mariner's Compass. Investigate. If you succeed and have no resources in your resource pool, discover one additional clue at your location. Free action. During an investigation using Mariner's Compass, spend one resource. You get plus one intellect for this skill test. Limit three times per investigation. And it uses a hand slot. Uh, Have we seen this card? Has it been... It was announced, yeah. Yeah. We have talked about it. Because we've talked about it, yeah. (laughs) Yeah, that's how I know we've seen it, yeah. That makes sense. <laughs> yeah, I was very, I was very worried. This card was totally broken when I saw it, mm-hmm. because I'd not realised it exhausts. Yeah. And now it exhausts. I think it's merely very good. So for listeners, we had a quick conversation about it, Peter and I, in which we were comparing it to, you know, flashlight and magnifying glass and looking at the boosts and realised that you can get to this place, much like with fire axe, where you can just keep using the ability and getting the compression, so getting cl- double clue, double clue, double clue. And then luckily we saw that important word, exhaust mariner's compass, which means you can't just go broke in, say, min, yeah, and just pick up six clues. Yeah, yeah. Which would be problematic, yeah. Um, so that is the one curb on its power. I think, yeah, exactly as you say, it's still very good. It's probably a little bit weaker in solo in that... It costs three rather than one, which is what Fire Axe costs. It's only giving you plus one per resource rather than plus two. And normally you're not trying to get double clues as much. And while you're investigating for single clues, 
do you really want a three cost asset that you can only spend one resource for plus one like maybe not in in solo but then i think as soon as you go to multiplayer and there are multiple two clue locations it suddenly becomes a lot better that's my immediate assessment yeah yeah i i, I must admit I, i'm a i i like the broke play style mm-hmm. uh, that we that we have in survivor there's a few cards that feed into that and mm. it'd be really nice to see an investigator who has an inbuilt ability that feeds into it as well mm. potentially mm. with the ability to spend resources yeah on their yeah. investigator card do you think i mean do you think silas is meant to be kind of that home for it we've got the mariner's compass obviously that that hints this way yes yeah obviously the difficulty with that is that this card costs three to play so you mm. need to have three mm. resources to play it'd be good if there yeah. was an investigator who kind of capped out their pool at a certain amount actually you know what mm. um mm. preston yeah yeah. I don't think Preston is a bad place for this card, really. Preston really likes... The, the Fire Axe is really good in Preston because mm-hmm. it's one resource for a two boost and you can easily have yeah. an empty pool. So yeah. uh, Preston can quite easily get... Well, he could do, say, three tests potentially at one, two, three, four, five, can't he? Um, you just need one extra resource for that. So he can have a yeah. turn of just chopping stuff up, dealing two damage with every attack. Yeah, yeah. He can't quite do that with Mariner's Compass. You're only going to get to four intellect sans any other boosts but yeah i still think it's it's a nice maybe a nice pick for for him and maybe maybe yeah maybe you're just running other boosts with him it's night like basically preston sums up what you like or what you like about the broke style which is that he actually has a secret pool of money yeah so he's sort of not broke even when he says he's broke he's actually got pockets full of cash yeah yeah i think you know combined with the madame lebranche and dark horse it feeds quite nicely into that that style, I think, yeah, yeah, I, I like it. Basically, I think it's good. I think, I think it's actually really good that it has that exhaust ability just to curb the power slightly. And I mentioned Min already. You know, Min might like it. She can be skill heavy, yeah. and it's one cheaper than a fingerprint kit. As long as you can go broke, you can just keep getting clues forever, which is nice. There's pros and cons to both. Both, I suppose. And our final card, yeah, is. The Ancient Covenant. This one was in the article, I believe. It's Covenant and Blessed, which means Mateo can take it. It's permanent, limit one Covenant per deck. Reaction, when an investigator at your location resolves a Blessed token during a skill test, exhaust Ancient Covenant, do not reveal another token as part of this Blessed token's effect. This makes me think that Blasphemous Covenant means... Just from the wording of this, you asked about Blasphemous Covenant. Did you get to see the next token? Oh, yes. Yeah. And this makes me think, no, you don't. don't. You're about to resolve it. It's going to give you a plus two and reveal another token and get removed. And you say, actually, I'll just take the plus two and remove it from the bag, but I won't reveal another token. Well, hang on. Uh, Wait a minute. Blasphemous Covenant. Let's look. Yeah. Yeah. Ah, but Blasphemous Covenant is when you reveal a cursed token. This is when you resolve it. Not when you resolve. (laughs) So you're resolving it and and part of the resolution is drawing another, another token, right? Yeah. Hmm. I'll have to, we'll have to study the... the yeah, we will. Let, let's, let's not do it on, on, on the episode. <laughs> on air. Go on. So tell me what you think about this. Uh, yeah, this this falls into that exact same pattern, I think, of some of the other covenants, which it, if you're playing with Bless, it feels like a like a, a solid pick. And if you're not, it's not. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think, like, if you're, say, two over a test, or, or maybe only one over a test, two over or less, do you just use this on the Bless token? What it does is it kind of extends the effect of bless in the bag. 
So drawing a bless is a pass if it hits the token, a, a token that you would have failed with. You see what I mean? I do, and I like where you're going with so, this. So, a, so... A bless, if you draw a bless, it would turn a minus three into a minus one, which might then be a pass instead of a fail. So when you take a test at not high over the threshold, but maybe just zero or one over the threshold, hitting a bless transforms the bag positively for you. Not every token is removed, but many tokens that would fail you suddenly become passes. Yeah. So that's one argument people have put forwards about bless, which is that if you're running bless heavy, you should actually be testing at lower than you normally would. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. It's the, it's the way because effect, bless, isn't it? It's the Wendy effect, exactly. And it also feeds into this idea then that maybe that's what survivors want to do, that maybe you're thinking you're going to fail anyway, but if you hit bless, it's going to bump you up and you're going to pass. And knowing, am I really trying to fail this test or am I hoping to pass, but sort of going in failing will be one of the challenges. Because obviously you don't want to throw a take heart into a test and then hit a bless and pass. So you sort of work out. Unless you're Silas. Unless you're Silas. I think the comparison with the Sacred Covenant is a really good one here. Yeah. Because Sacred Covenant is all about keeping blessed tokens in the bag to then use them for other things like your Rite of Sanctification. Yeah. Or your Ward of Radiance. Whereas the Ancient Covenant is about getting their boosts and not then getting punished by the rolling effect. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. I, I think what, what I was going to go on and say is, you, you know, you, you hit a blessed token and when you hit the blessed token, it takes some of the other tokens out of the bag. Mm. So it might only take one or two tokens out of the bag. If you use the Ancient Covenant, the blessed token takes all of the the other failure tokens out of the bag. So, so it just becomes another token that passes a test in the bag. Yeah. Which yeah. which is a, a dramatic increase in, what's the word, efficiency for, for a blessed token. Mm. Mm. So a blessed token goes from being, the, the token itself will go from kind of like, maybe like a third of a or two thirds of a success or something to a hundred percent of a success mm-hmm. yeah that's really nice it's the equivalent of that time where you're like wow i'm a three against six there's no way i'm passing this test unless i can pull my elder sign which is a plus one for each horror on me or whatever it is and you're you do the hail mary pull of trying to get a massive boost which is very unlikely with the ancient covenant in play if there are 10 blessed tokens in the bag, you could be taking tests at two under the threshold. Yeah. Because you have a decent-ish chance. Say there's a 30, 30 token bag with 10 of them blessed. You've got a third of the bag, 33% chance that you pull a bless and pass, which is a lot more decent than if you just couldn't pass a test when you're two below the threshold. Yeah, it's kind of crazy in that way. It'll maybe lead into some like fun clutch plays and story moments where... All that work you did of putting blessed tokens in the bag earlier suddenly pays off. I think that's kind of nice. So that is in too deep. Yeah, a, a, what a not collection. a bad pack at all. Actually, <laughs> I think it's it's given some real building blocks for both the curse and the bless styles, mm-hmm. the blur mm-hmm. styles. No. Uh, so I guess we just have to wait and see. Really. Yeah. It it feels like a little bit of an evolution where the covenants are just shaking things up a bit. And if you've played with bless and curse already. Maybe you've already got used to that minus two or plus two, and then to add this extra wrinkle feels a good step, I think. And it'll be interesting to see if there's more wrinkles to come, for sure. It's kind of crazy to look back and think that the Guardian cards were all about engage as well. It'll be really intriguing to see if there's more to be done around engaging or 
hitting enemies that are engaged with you or something later in the cycle because we've got Sister Mary and we've got Deep Ones. Neither of them scream engage enemies to me. So I'd be really intrigued to see what comes of that. So yeah, really fun pack. And I really like that new spell asset suite. Suddenly we've gone from Shriveling and Rite of Seeking basically being dominant with maybe six cents creeping in there to the Jacqueline Fine spell assets and now these curse spell assets. And it's, yeah, a real toy shop of different delights to play with. Toy shop? Sweet shop. One of the two. <laughs> yeah. Cool. Well, this is our first look of Into Deep. Hope you've enjoyed it. You can get in touch with us. We're Drawn to the Flame podcast on the email and we're also Drawn to the Flame on Facebook, Twitter, Patreon and Designed by Humans. Thanks very much for listening. Thank you.